Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Welcome back, friends. So, this is my four-part series on what's Royal Marines training really like. If you don't know my videos, I just try to add value to people's lives, help fill in a bit of background on the subjects I know about, so you can go out and make sense of this at times crazy world. If um, if you're considering joining the Marines. You definitely need to watch all four parts. If you can't watch four short videos, if your attention span is that small, you shouldn't be considering going down the recruiting office. Do you get what I mean? Now, let's launch right into it. I'm going to tell you uh, in four stages. First of all, what the foundation of Royal Marines training is. The first three weeks as it is now. It was two weeks when, when I served. Then I'm going to tell you about the first part of in, infantry tra training, which focuses on gymnasium work. Then I'll tell you about the second part of infantry training, which focuses on field craft and battle fitness training. And then I'll tell you about commando training itself and the commando tests, and what you need to do to pull it out of the bag. And then the the good bit is the passing out parade. Now, I'm not going to try and give you all the, the uh, minutiae details exactly how your training is going to be. You, you don't need to know that, believe me. I'm just going to tell you what I did. And I know where it's changed um, over the years. And I can point that out to you. And if you're asking why has it changed? Well, the simple fact is it's got easier. I'm not just saying that because I'm an old sweat. Uh, it's got easier because not, if you look at the, the desperate recruiting now for the armed forces, you can see young people are savvy now. They're not, not naive like, like I was when I was a kid. They've got the internet. They can, they can see what modern warfare is all about. They know that war makes people like George Bush and Tony Blair and the people that go way, way above them, even richer than they already are. Just remember, you know, the armed forces is an amazing career, but you are working for sociopaths that don't care about human life. That's just the way it is. I'll put that in there because you can make your choice then, can't you? Life is all about two things, the truth and love. If you stick to those, you won't go far, far wrong in my experience. Why has it changed? Well, the theater of, um, the theater of war has changed. When I was in, it was very much focused on uh, temperate climate, wet, basically. And of course, now it's more focused on the deserts. Um, surprise, surprise, the oil-rich reason uh, regions of the world. Um, and of course, tactics will then change. There's uh, more of a focus now on close quarter battle, which is getting up close with the enemy. Uh, if you if you're familiar with events in the Middle East, battles in Afghanistan, you know people physically have got 
ha- have had to get hands on with the enemy. And so, uh, yeah, you're basically strangling some other working class kid to death, right? To make these nutcases richer. Just remember that. All right, that's enough of the serious stuff. Well, maybe it's not, but let's get on to foundation. It was two weeks when I was in and it was called induction. Why do they call it induction? Because you're being inducted, in, inducted into the military, into the military mindset. And that means dehumanizing you. Because believe it or not, funnily enough, human beings don't like killing each other. There's, uh, a guy you might want to research, Ben Griffin. He doesn't, he's an ex-SAS, does amazing work in this area. And he will tell you at the Battle of, I think it's Gettysburg, they've dug up, uh, rifles that have got six bullets in the chamber. That's six bullets still down the barrel. And that was because they reckon the guys so much didn't want to kill each other. They were just pretending to load their, you know, you, you ram the, the shot into the musket, right? You ran the shot into the musket, right? And, uh, they were reckon they were pretending to load and shoot or pretending to shoot because they didn't want to kill the enemy. Um, so yeah. So now they call it foundation because that sounds like it's the foundation for your career rather than then the, the induction into your brainwashing, right? Um, you rock up on the train. When you get to Limston Commando, it's a tiny platform. The train stops and suddenly all these guys get up out of their seats that you didn't, didn't even know they were joining the Marines because none of them have got short hair yet, right? You might, well, on my train, I saw one guy reading the, uh, he was, uh, reading the recruitment literature. So I knew he was joining. Back when I rocked up there, you just wore any old semi-smart get up. Now it all, all appears to be suits, right? I don't think the Marines really care, to be honest. But and then uh, you get introduced your drill instructor. This big guy comes down. I say big. Ours was quite skinny actually, and he was sober for once. And uh, they're quite nice to you at this stage because they don't want to scare you off. So it's hello, fellas. Right, line up there. Pick up your bags. Follow me. Don't try and freaking march. You're just going to look stupid. And that's it. So you turn and you follow this guy and you kind of, you're looking a bit at everyone else. I was quite lucky. My home life was so rough that I really, you know, I was enjoying it already. I was quite excited. I didn't have any doubts or homesickness or anything. You go past the endurance course and all the nods. That's recruits. They call you nods because You fall asleep in lectures because you're so tired all the time. So you go past the nods and they're doing the endurance course. So they're, they've moved on to the battle fitness part of their training, right? And you think, my God, that's going to be me one day. Although it does seem a bit unbelievable, right? And you march up through the camp and you get to the foundation block. And you go in there and they tell you, just go in, take a seat wait around get used to doing a lot of waiting in the marines 
So I'm stood there looking at my locker and it's got this number on it, this weird number, P048, blah, 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 Juliet, right? Huh? That's my number. And they make you well aware that is your number for the rest of your time in the Royal Marines. And as I'm looking at this number and looking at my locker, this voice go, voice says, why, hey, man, you're a canny lad having a lot, a neck, a main like. I'm looking up, this is six foot seven geezer, right? Face like pug from the Beano. I haven't got a clue what he has just said to me. So I said, sorry, sorry, mate. And uh, what he was trying to say is, you're a canny lad having a locker next to mine. He was being friendly, but you're all a bit defensive at that stage. You don't, you're a bit unsure of your surroundings, right? So he's a Geordie, obviously. Now I'm, I'm live, I'm from London, born in London, but I've lived most of my life in the Southwest. There ain't, you don't meet many Geordies when you grow up in the Southwest, right? And this was my first introduction to all these languages, all these Dialects, rather, you know, Scottish, Welsh, the difference between the northern dialects, and then of course, Brizzle, Brizzle Bay. Um, yeah. So, that's it. Uh, the routine in induction or foundation goes you get your head shaved. Some people have already arrived with a skinhead, so they don't get their head shaved, right? I think they still have to go and have it done. It's, 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 remember, this is to make you the same as everyone else. So you ain't special no more. You don't think you're special. When you get an order, you will jump to it, right? Um, you, your locker, by the way, everything in it has to be Globe and Laurel size. Globe and Laurel is the core magazine, the Royal Marines core magazine. And everything you fold, excuse me, you fold this size, the size of a magazine, if it's that big, right? So shirts, you know, get folded, towels, this kind of thing. Um, and your locker has to be laid out in a set way. A colour sergeant turns up. We had a big booming guy with a different dialect to me, like most everybody seemed to, right? And the first thing he did is gave us an introduction to the Royal Marines language. He said, fellas, you know, and he, he picked out a Scottish guy and he said, so you're from Glasgow, right? And the Scottish guy says, yes, obviously. Or, okay. He says, so when you're in Glasgow, you'd say, a rootin' tootin' scaraboutin' doon, roon about the tune. Is that a Glasgow accent or, um, or is that Dundee? Ah. Anyway, the point he's trying to make is that Scottish people are a law unto themselves when they speak, right? And then he said, so are we in the Royal Marines. And he starts to give you examples of uh, Royal Marines language. And it's, or slang rather. So doby, that means to wash. So you doby your clothes, doby yourself. Doby dust, that's what you sprinkle in your washing, washing powder. Scran, that's food. Galley, because we're Navy. We're part of the Navy. So galley is obviously the kitchen. What the army, I think, calls scoff, scoffle. Uh, trap, 
You're going to need to remember that if you're joining the Marines. I did a lot of it. <laughs> no, it means to get off with a girl, right? If you're a girl joining the Marines now, it means to get off with a guy. And if you trap a party, that means you've trapped a girl. You've got off with a girl, right? I'm not going to bore you, but it's um, some of them are funny. Goffer. Goffer is a can of Coke, right? Or a fizzy drink. Call it a goffer. Yeah. Mad. But of course, why do you have your own language? You have your own language. When you speak the same language with a group of people, um, you bond with them. It's a bonding thing. Why would you want to bond? Well, when you get off to, sent off to war, you're more likely to fight for these guys that you're with uh, than you are for uh, king and country. That's just a fact. In the Marines, you never fight. You're not fighting really for your... You fight for your country, but that's not your priority. Your priority is fighting for the guys around you. Um, you swear allegiance to the Queen promising to do your duties in the Royal Marines. That's one of the first things you do in that, that first week. You get your kit issued, go to the storeroom, you all line up at this big counter. It's a bit like full metal jacket at this stage of training, right? And they're chucking across boots to you and 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 um denims, that's your trousers and your shirts. We had these horrible hairy shirts when I was in. They were awful. Just to put them on made you just like cringe in your body, you know. But surprisingly, they were really, the guys in the store are just so good at looking at your size and giving you the right size. You don't have to change a lot, but it's exciting because at this stage, it's your basic clothes to wear, right? And your sports kit. Later, it starts to become tactical, so you get issued your weapon, and you get you get issued your weapon from the armory uh, at the naval stores. You get issued, say, your field gear. So these days, it's going to be a bergen and webbing, or even chess webbing. When I was in, it was this old fifty-eight pattern webbing, this kind of antiquated stuff they wore in the Second World War. Right? <laughs> it was, yeah. You soon get rid of it when you get to your commander unit and you get proper chest webbing, right? And you've got your magazines shoved in here and your first aid kit here and your, your cooker shoved in here so you can always make a wet, right? What's a wet? Come on. Good. Cup of tea or coffee. So, it's your kit. You get taught how to have a shower. Your corporal turns up in a towel and says, Man, follow me. Takes you into the bathroom, strips off, bollocky buff. There's no, there's no messing like that in the Marines. In case you're wondering, you just get naked, you have a shower. Now you're not allowed to even wear boxer shorts in bed. I don't know where that came from, but that wasn't the case with us. And now you get duvets. We have blankets, right? But it shows you how to wash all over in a military fashion. It's quick. It's simple. And you get all the water off before you get your towel wet. It's all functional, right? Shows you how to wash literally behind places. Probably some lads you're joining up with haven't washed before, if you uh, get what I'm saying. Um, at this point in my training, the lads were starting to bond. You could see groups started to form and 
I was always like a bit removed, if that makes sense. I I, I wasn't just gonna like charge in. I was a bit. I was kind of like a bit hesitant to come forward. Um, but I also didn't like taking shit, if you know what I mean. And that's one thing. You cannot take any shit in the Marines. You start taking shit, you're going to get it all the way through training because the troops need a whipping boy. Because everyone's so stressed and everyone's thinking that they're screwing up all the time. They need someone to blame. If you're, if you show weakness, they'll try and pick on you. You got to fight from the start. It's just like being in prison, from what I understand, right? Um, yeah, you don't want to get victimized all the way through training. So, yeah, I have my uh, denim stolen. You, you, you have to do your washing every night, right? And lots of ironing. You get taught how to iron. You will become the best ironer in the world. Better than all your civilian friends. Definitely better than your partner. Um, you wash. Here's a funny thing. I thought you washed all your kit that you wore every night. It wasn't till the end of training. Like a few things. I found out I was doing it all wrong. And the lads weren't washing everything every night. You're just washing your shirt. Some lads didn't even do that if they could get away with it. To be honest, I don't blame them uh, because I was up till two o'clock every single night, sometimes half two, sometimes three in training, getting my kit squared away. And you got to remember, you got to be up at five most days, five, sometimes six, sometimes five to go and get your weapon from the armory if you're going to do the endurance course, for example. So I didn't get a lot of sleep. You can see why they call you nods, right? So anyway, I'm washing there all my kit every night like a bit of an idiot. And my denims went missing from the drying room. You don't have the luxury of tumble dryers at this stage. So, or I think you do, but you've got to go out and find one. In the induction block, it's just uh, radiators, right? Uh, they call it a drying room. So my denims have gone missing. That's my trousers, right? Well, I wasn't having that. I went all the way around. We have 55 people. I think three didn't, were too scared to get off the train. And I went around everybody checking all their denims until I found the lad that, that nicked mine. Basically, he'd lost his because he was scared, thought he was going to get in trouble. He stole mine, which is just, if there's any behavior you don't do in the Marines, don't be a tea leaf. Don't be a thief. It's the work, what, you know, probably the worst crime you can commit in training. And you just, yeah, you're going to suffer the wrath if you get caught, right? Um, you get introduced to IMF. Don't know if they still call it that. Initial military fitness. You go in the gymnasium and it's a shocker. You got, we had just, White rugby shirt, white shorts, and green rugby shirt, white shorts. And we had plimsolls, like those white things that are sort of come back into fashion now, right? They weren't very cool back then. And you get allocated a spot in this enormous gymnasium. So there's obviously about 60 spots. You all take your spot. You have to remember that spot every day. And it's on your spots. Go! 
Well, I can't shout. I got a sore throat. But uh, too much talking. But yeah, you got to remember that spot. And our first day in the gym, it was we were given our spot, and then the PTI just starts screaming at you. Sit down, go. Stand up, go. Sit down, go. Lie down. Roll over. Roll over. Roll over. That corner of gym, go. Before you've even got halfway there. That corner of gym, go. Before you've even got halfway there. That, and you get the picture, right? Oh. You get the picture. Um, and. It was exhausting. I I started to have an asthma attack. I didn't even know I had asthma right until that point. So I had to keep that. Obviously, I had to keep that quiet. That's the thing about ailments. If you're thinking of joining, just sort my microphone out here. Sorry. Is if you can get away with just keeping quiet about minor stuff, just just I wouldn't volunteer it. Um, yeah, you you're cool, right? So. Yeah, that's the gym IMF, and I'll talk more about that in the in the next video. And we had, I think, in this first week, they took us for a swimming test, right? Because they want to get as many people through the battle test at this early stage. Now, um, I think there might be more emphasis on swimming now in training, but when we did it, they just took you to the swimming pool, you put on. Battle fatigues, that's just, you know, combat jacket, trousers. You put on webbing that had two house bricks in the pockets. And you put on a rifle, which is an old Lee Enfield from the Second World War, right? You went up the diving board, it's like five metres high, six metres high, high enough. you got to jump off with those bricks in your pocket. You go down, you really go down, like deeper than you've ever gone naturally right and then you've got to try when you try and swim up you can't oh you you can't get any purchase in the um in the water so you're swimming like this and you're not going anywhere that's really hard you have to hold your breath for ages and then you break the surface um then you've got to swim down the pool then you've got to swim back up then you've got to hand your rifle to someone on the edge then you've got to hand them your webbing all while treading water and not touch, you can't touch your side at any point. Then you, when you've handed over your kit, you've got to swim away and tread water for another five minutes, right? Well, all the lads were passing it no problem. And I thought, ah, I'll do this. You know, I, I didn't have any worries. When I started swimming back up, I was drowning. I was up to my, I just could not stay above the water and, this was something I struggled with until the very last week of training. Came as a bit of a surprise to me that. Now, you have your first exercise. The very first weekend you have foot, we, I think it's still called first step. It was back then. And your training team take you up to Woodbury Common in four ton trucks. They've got all their tent and their camping equipment, all their kind of luxury stuff so they can cook, cook breakfast every day, right? You've got your bivy. They've shown you how to put your webbing together. You got. We had large packs. So you guys are going to have Bergens, right? And uh, you go out to Woodbury Common. You haven't got weapons at this stage. If you want to know more about 
a little bit about this. Uh, see my video, Can Snowflakes Join the Royal Marines? I'll tell you the story of Hanson, and it's funny, and it will tell you who can join the Royal Marines or not, right? So you get to learn here that your training team are really funny. Um, Marines are just naturally quite, we've got our own sense of humor. It's quite abrupt, but it's funny. So the training team were teaching us how to do our ration packs and they open, they open this tin and it's, it's like, uh, pate, right? You get pate to go on your bit, your hard biscuits. And, um, one of the training team pulls out this nappy. He goes, ah, oh, here's my baby's nappy. And, uh, these are your brown biscuits. Let's have a try. And he dips it in his baby's nappy and all this brown stuff and eats this biscuit. And you're all like, what? So of course it's not, uh, it's not baby poop. It's this pate stuff, right? Now, we all went, the two things I remember from that exercise, other than Hanson, was being so thirsty. They purposely, um, starve you of water. They thirst you to get you to conserve water. Because when you were on exercise for real, that's going to be difficult to get hold of, right? especially in the desert, you have to learn to conserve your water. So you will wash your mess tin out. You've got all these bits of food swimming around in your mess tin. Then you use that water full of, you know, chicken risotto or whatever's been in your ration pack. You use that water to make a cup of tea. Yeah, sounds a bit gross, right? But this is war. You've got to get used to it. It's not the Boy Scouts, right? And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. And, uh, yeah, the other thing I remember from that exercise was we went back to our bivy and I'm with this guy, Swainston, right? And it was gone. And all our kit was gone. And so we had to make do for the re rest of the last day with no, no bivy, no kit. Just, uh, just our clothes that we had on us and our webbing, right? And of course the training team like, ah, oh, some civilians have probably walked through this harbour position. That's your camp. And they've stolen your tents, fellas. We're like, ah, oh, bloody civvies, right? You gotta learn to hate civilians. Why? You gotta think you're morally superior as a, as a, um, as a fighting force, right? If you think you're morally superior to people, it makes it easier to kill them, right? That's just another thing. But anyway, we're there. Oh, bloody civvies have stolen our kit. Those bloody civvies hadn't stolen anything. They hadn't even been there, had they? It was obviously the training team were making a quick buck by selling our kit on, on some second-hand market, right? Anyway, you get used to the training teams. Uh, they have little scams going or little enterprises, you can call them. They're all fairly harmless, but They've all got a mate that can sell you kit. So they'll sell you knives. They'll sell you burgers. They'll sell you boots. They'll sell you photographs. You won't get that now because it's all digital, right? But we were sold photographs, you know. Uh, yeah, that's your training team's little uh, earners, you can say. And you get, I'm going to show a photo here. You get your picture taken on the parade square. You've all got your berries on and they're all like, 
like like this because you you don't you just don't know how to wear them properly they call them aircraft carrier berries right and uh you get your photograph taken and the training team pin this to the wall of their office why do they do that chris i hear you say well they do it so as everyone everyone leaves one by one and i'll tell you a thing about leaving right People that are the most core pissed when they join. Core piss means drunk on the Marines already. You know, they love this stuff. They tend to be the first ones to leave. Because when they get into training, it doesn't meet their expectations. So we had one lad who was a serious cadet. He was an officer in the cadets or something. He was one of the first to leave. We had another lad. He turned up, he had the Globe and Laurel, that's our um, core crest, as it were. He had it, a massive tattoo on his arm, and he was one of the first to leave. Yeah. But what they do is as each person leaves, they black their face in on this photo. So you, gradually they get this photo and it all becomes black faces. When I was in training, if you joined up with 55, you were lucky to pass out with 10 or 11 originals. Some of the troops passed out with six. That is how hard it is. That is what you're up against. If you want to do it, you will do it. Believe me. Uh, and what happens to these people? Well, they either leave or they get injured and they get put in a troop called Hunter Troop, which is a remedial kind of, you know, get get well soon kind of troop. Um, yeah. Or they get back trooped and nobody wants to be back trooped. Your dream is to pass out with a troop that you join with, right? I was 558, fighting 558. And name, we never actually called ourselves. But yeah, I joined with 558 and I was going to do everything in my power to pass out with them, right? I just didn't even think about getting back troop, but it happens to a lot of recruits and yeah, can't be very nice. And then what I'm going to leave you with is move into the blocks. You move then after three weeks of induction, you move from the induction block, the foundation block now, and you move into the accommodation blocks where you get six man rooms instead of 56. And I'll just tell you a little story. You'll see my photo or you will have seen my photo outside of the foundation block. That was at my recent 30-year anniversary reunion where we went to Limston. Basically, all the lads got drunk. I was sober because I wasn't drinking then. In fact, I'm not drinking now. It's quite a good thing to do. Just a little tip there for you. Uh, and yeah, we went in the foundation block. And the corporal there in charge said, oh, hello, fellas, welcome, come in. Treat you a little bit like a VIP, right? He said, would anyone like to say anything to that? And I said, yeah, I, I, I will if that's all right. And I looked at these lads, they're all keen, you know, keen as mustard. They've all got their heads shaved. Still got more hair than, hair than me, right? And they're all calling you, sir, sir, <laughs> like this, asking their questions. And I just said, Fellas, just remember this. Don't fucking quit. Whatever you do, do not quit. 
you can quit when you're finished. When you get your green berry, get yourself outside there and just make some excuse. You, you know, I don't know, you fancy the CO or you could say that in my day because you couldn't be gay when I joined. But, you know, you can make your own thing up these days, right? But I said, fellas, I promise you, I'm anti-war now. But even so, wearing a green bread is one of the proudest things I ever did. And I've got these fellas and my buddies for life. And you will dine out on being a commando for the rest of your life. Even if you just get through training and you get that berry, maybe just do a year in a unit or, or whatever. But if you quit, you will regret it for the rest of your life. You will have to live with the fact that I joined the Marines, but I left because my girlfriend was nagging me or, you know, I missed home, right? Just don't want to be that wanker, you know? Getting injured is one thing. Don't be that wanker. All right, that's it. The part one, foundation. We're going to move to part two, infantry training and gymnasium work. Thank you for watching. Don't forget to subscribe and I'll see you there. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username Chris Thrall. Instagram Chris Thrall. Thank you.